Thank you for tuning in to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. To keep connected with us, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and join our Calvary Connection. The vision of our church is to make Jesus famous. When Jesus is famous, everything changes, and he becomes our passion because his love is better than life. Today's message is from our monthly growth nights that are on the first Sunday of every month at 5.30 p.m. Christina Holdridge teaches about being Jesus' famous women. Enjoy. I'm glad to be here. I feel like it's been a long time. It was July that was the last growth night, and then August we had a night of worship, and then September we canceled because I got COVID. And so it's been like three months. I feel out of shape, but um, I'm excited to be here and to be with you guys. I feel like the Lord has something for us in our hearts. Um, this message I prepped mostly in September, and then I got COVID. No, in, in August? Yes, in August, because it's the beginning of September. Uh, and then I got COVID like a day before we were supposed to do it. So it, it's been on my heart for a long time. <laughs> um, but I refreshed myself in it this week, and I added a bunch to it this week and took a bunch out. And I, anyway, I feel like the Lord's got something for us. It's really simple, which I love when I get to teach something really simple because I feel like it just sticks in your brain, you know? Just, it just sits there. There's just, it's a really simple teaching, but anyway... Um, before I get into it, I do want to remind you that it's October, which is in the Holdridge House, one of our favorite months of the year, just because it's the fall. And I know that's a corny girl thing, but I have loved the fall forever before there were pumpkin spice lattes and all that stuff. It just always loved it. But beyond that stuff, we have the women's conference. And I really, really, really want to encourage all of you guys to come. I I could say a thousand things about it. I could tell you how great the speaker is going to be. I could tell you how great the worship's going to be. And those things are going to be really great. Um, I could tell you that we're trying to make it fun and just like refreshing for you, which I think Bree and Chesley told you today in that announcement if you were here at church. But I just also think there's something really special about taking some time to be apart from your everyday life and just try and hear from the Lord. You know, um, I know we try to do that every Sunday. I know we try to do that every morning, hopefully, in our quiet times. But there's something special about a conference that gives us the space and the separation to really just try to connect with the Lord in a cool way. And I th- we're doing all of our part over here at Calvary to contribute to you hearing from the Lord. And we're praying for you and we're praying for the conference. So anyway, I think it's going to be really great. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for you to hear from the Lord, connect with the Lord. So come, October 14th and 15th. All right, on with better things. Tonight we're going to talk about something that's probably pretty universal to all of us. We're not going to talk about marriage or child raising or any of those topics, which are good. But tonight we're going to talk about something that probably, well, not probably. I know every single one of us has some connection to, and that is our relationship with other women. Um, I'm sure just in this room right here, we could all tell story after story of great experiences we've had with other women in our life and maybe some pretty hurtful experiences that we've had with other women in our lives. Because the truth is, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, if you're 14 or if you're you know, in your 70s here tonight, no matter who you are, where you come from, the community of women around you has affected you, is affecting you, and will 
affect you. The women in our lives, they affect us. And the theme like Josh just shared for the growth night in general is that Jesus' famous women, that's what we're shooting to be, Jesus' famous women foster gospel-oriented community. And we're just going to get into how can we relate well to, our, to the women in our lives. The word community, so that means we are talking about friendships, but we're talking about more than just our friends. We're talking about how we interact with all of the women around us. Our friends, for sure, our family, cousins and aunts and uncles and sisters and moms, our coworkers, our schoolmates, the women in our life group, the women we sit next to, all the women in our everyday lives. How can those relationships thrive? Like I said, probably all of us have had some good and bad experiences in this area, but maybe you've come here tonight and you're thinking like, I'm doing pretty good in that area of my life. My relationships with other women, they're, they're doing just fine. Well, I just want to encourage you, there's still something here for you. In fact, I think that the truths in what we're going to study tonight in Colossians 3, I think they can take good relationships to better. Um, and, and better relationships to best. Um, and maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling like that part of your life is going so bad right now. Maybe in one relationship in particular or a few. Maybe you're here and you're thinking there's no chance for that relationship to get better or those relationships to get better. Like those people are way too difficult. <laughs> it's all their fault. Um, but I want to tell you there's hope for you too. There really is. And with the truths that we're going to look at tonight, I think that even really difficult relationships can get a little bit better. So let me cast a vision for you of where we're, go where we're going. Can you turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians 3? Colossians 3, verse 12. What's described in Colossians 3 and the 12 and the following verses, it's kind of what I like to call the dream scenario of community. Okay, I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation because it's so fluffy and good um, for helping us to understand. It gives all kinds of adjectives around everything. So here it is from the New Living Translation. It says this. So as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purposes, and are well beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with a good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willing to forgive one another, even if one has cause for complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you should forgive. And beyond all these things, put on Wrap yourselves in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Okay, that's my dream scenario for community. Can you guys even imagine? Can you imagine if all of us always treated everyone this way? See why I call it a dream? It feels like it's not even possible, right? Compassionate, always kind always humble, always gentle and patient and bearing graciously with each other, always forgiving each other and always, above all, always loving everyone. Is it even possible? 
yes and no. You see, unless we understand the beginning of Colossians 12, that what comes before that list, and unless we understand what comes before this passage in the whole book of Colossians, well, then this kind of relating to one another, it's really only going to happen sometimes superficially, like not in a real genuine way, or sometimes in little bursts all throughout our life. But if I can understand what comes before, if it, if it saturates my heart, kind of like a sponge soaked in water, you know, so that when you wring that sponge out, the water comes gushing out. If the truths that come before this, this list in Colossians, if they saturate my heart so that when, so that when you poke me, <laughs> so to speak, the list comes gushing out. So that when you push me or wring me like a sponge, this is what comes out. If those truths soak deep into us, then these things are possible. This description of community really can happen. Of course, not perfectly, right? We all have sin. We're all going to battle sin until the day that we die. But it can happen genuinely and with increasing like longevity, long-lasting all throughout our life. So I don't know if you noticed what came before, but it's the gospel. And from this point in the teaching, and for the rest of the teaching, you're going to get really hear, tired of hearing me say the gospel, <laughs> because it's going to be the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. But let me explain, okay? The way Colossians is laid out, the first two chapters, they sort of describe the gospel message. And the last two chapters of Colossians, there's only four, they, they tell us what comes out of a life that's saturated in the gospel, so the whole book, it's a letter from Paul the Apostle to a church in the city of Colossae. And like I said, in the first two chapters of that letter, Paul, he explains and declares the beauty of the gospel message. Listen to this from Colossians 1, chapters 12, I'm sorry, verses 12 to 14. He says this to them, we're giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel message right there, right? That perfect Jesus died sacrificially for us, that he rose again three days later, and that that very act, when we believe on it, like he said, it qualifies us to be forgiven of all of our sin and made new and set free from the powers of our sin. It qualifies us to be inheritors of everything in the kingdom of light. Chapter one and two, they just go into great detail of that gospel message. And then in Colossians three and four, <clears throat> Paul teaches the church in Colossians what can come, like I said, out of their lives when the message gets deep into them. So again, the description of community, the peace and the patience and the kindness and the forgiveness that is described, that's a result of getting the gospel in our hearts, like that sponge soaked in water. Now, there's also another reiteration of the gospel, and it's right there at the beginning of verse 12. Look at it with me again. It says, so... As God's own chosen people, 
who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well-loved by God himself. You guys, that's the gospel there too. That's it. Jesus accomplished by his death, and what Jesus accomplished by his death and resurrection, it puts everyone who believes there, chosen, belonging to him, being made holy by him, loved by him. That's the gospel right there. Those things can only be true of us as we embrace that message. And so again, the description of the community in chapter three that Paul gives to the church, it's what comes out of a life saturated in the gospel. So here's the big idea that we're gonna unpack together tonight. It's very simple. You'll hear me say it a lot. As believers, the more we understand the gospel, the better our relationships with women can be. That's it. The more we understand the gospel, the better our relationships with other women can be. And if Colossians 3, 12 to 14 is our goal, our dream scenario for community, and now we see that in order to get to that goal, we need the gospel message in us, now we're just gonna spend some time studying really cool implications of that gospel message so that we can increasingly move toward that genuine, lasting Colossians 3 kind of community with the women in our lives because the more we understand the gospel, the better the relationships, the better the relationships with other women can be. Okay, now at this point you might be thinking, um, Christina, I don't think the gospel's that complicated. I'm pretty sure I got it. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Jesus rescued me. Because I believe that, I get to go to heaven. And to that, I would say that's so true. You are right. The gospel message is not that complicated. It's pretty easy to understand and to restate. But the meaning of the gospel, the implications of the gospel, that is worth digging into like for the rest of our lives. The book of Romans and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians, those are whole books laying out the depths and the treasure found in that really simple message of the gospel. And then the applications of those truths also worth studying and praying over for the rest of our lives. So we're gonna look at three three implications of the gospel. There are so many, but as it relates to our relationships with other women, we're going to look at three implications of the gospel. First, the gospel means I am valuable. And second, the gospel means that you are valuable. And finally, the gospel tells us we need each other. I'm valuable you're valuable, and we need each other. The more we understand these things, I'm going to keep saying it, the better our relationships with other women can be. Okay, let's look at the first point. The message of the gospel means that I am valuable. When I was in high school, I don't know if anybody's a child of the 90s in here, but when I was in high school, there was this character on a parody TV show. He was called Stuart Smalley. I don't know if anybody remembers him. <laughs> but, okay, the whole premise of this show, of Stuart Smalley's show, is he hosted this public television show. And before the show, the whole audience, the, the TV audience, we would all see Stuart 
and he would be in this little chair, and he would be looking at himself in this floor-length mirror, and he would be talking to himself in the mirror. And they did everything on the show to make him look very not cool. And then he would look at himself and talk to himself in the mirror, and he would say, today is going to be a great day because I'm good enough and I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And then the rest of the show was pretty much mocking his self-affirmation because he just made a fool of himself the entire show. So he <clears throat> told himself that he was good and smart and likable, but he wasn't actually good or smart or likable, and telling himself that he was didn't make him those things. So when I tell you that the gospel means that I am valuable, am I just trying to fill us all up with a bunch of false, positive self-affirmation to make ourselves feel good, but it's not really true? No way. No. A key ingredient to bettering our relationship with the women in our community is to see how the gospel actually proves. It actually proves our very real value in Christ alone. Let me explain. Okay, every human being who has ever walked the face of the earth was and has been created by God. We were created by God in his image. That truth alone makes us priceless in value. And I just want you to pause for a minute and think about what that actually means. Don't let that truth, if you've heard it a million times, don't let it not impact your heart. God, who is all-powerful over everything, in control of everything, made the entire stunning universe with his words. God, who is perfect in every way. He's completely loving and entirely good and holy. He has all wisdom, all knowledge. He always has been. He always will be the real and true and only God of the universe made us. He made you. And he made you in his image to look like him and to be like him. And it wasn't a distant and generic and factory-produced process. No, it was like personal, intimate, intentional, like a great artist with his work of art. Psalm 139, you might have heard it before. It says, for you formed me in my inward parts. God, forming every person. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10 says that we're God's poem, his work of art. We're pricelessly valuable because we have been made by God. And that's not all. We are loved by that same God. Colossians 3.12, it reminded us when it called us his beloved. That phrase, beloved, it's used all over the New Testament. But, and I could tell you, a I could spend a decent amount of time right now just like reading you verse after verse that tells you that God loves you. But the Bible says we have this unmatched evidence of God's love, the cross. Jesus' death on the cross, it proves to us how much God loves us. That's the gospel. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated, he showed off how much he loved us by going to the cross. Ephesians 2, 4, because, 
because of his great love for us, God rescued us. And even that good old Sunday school basic John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. God loves us. According to our Colossians passage tonight, we're chosen and pursued and belong to God all because of his love. So to sum this all up, I am of priceless value and my entire worth comes from being made by God and it's proven by being loved and saved by God. The message of the gospel means that I am valuable. I forgot it again, Janine. Okay, so what does that even have to do with our relationship to women around us? Let me drink. There's two ways this affects the relationships with the women around us. One, if God giving me all of my value and God saving me proves all of my value, then, listen to this, other women, they cannot make me more valuable and other women cannot make me less valuable. Okay, unfortunately, oftentimes, (coughs) the way women relate to each other is the opposite of that Colossians 3, 12 to 14 list. Rather than compassionate, Full of tender mercy, we can be indifferent, cold, heartless. Instead of, instead of kind, we can be rude or cruel or catty. Pride often trumps humility. Harshness overtakes gentleness. Where we should be patient, we're irritable or easily bothered. We could be intolerant and critical, and quick to judge when we should be bearing with each other, forgiving each other, and loving each other. So often, not always, of course, but so often, that kind of sin in us that comes out of our relationships with other women, it's actually because we're not sure of our worth. It's why people try to remedy themselves with self-affirmation, like Stuart Smalley. Brokenness in relationships often stems from insecurity in us. Think about it. When I'm jealous of another woman, when I want something that she has, maybe her beauty, maybe her stuff, maybe her personality, it's coming out of me because whatever she has that I don't have, it makes me feel small and threatened and a little less valuable all the ugly stuff that can come out of us, all the broken ways we can treat someone when we're jealous. We gossip, when we're harsh, when we're judgmental, when we're manipulative. It can all be remedied if I allow the truth of the gospel to sink deeper and deeper into my soul. Other women can't make me less valuable. I'm valuable because God made me in his image and he loves me and he proved it. My worth doesn't shrink because another woman is beautiful or talented or rich or fun. The deeper the gospel gets into our souls in this way, (coughs) the more genuine kindness and patience and love can come out of us 
for any woman around us. They're not a threat to us, and their presence, it could never diminish our worth. Also, if my value comes from God and God alone, then other women, they can't add to my worth. Broken stuff in relationships, it comes from wrong thinking in this area too. Sometimes, sometimes we pursue relationships with other women for what they can add to us, what they can do for us. Their position, their skill, their likability, their resources. We can use other women for our own gain to feel better about ourselves. But the gospel says that's impossible. (coughs) We can never add to our worth. Sorry, the minute I start talking. (coughs) Also, we can do things that look positive in a relationship with other women, but in truth, (coughs) are an effort to feel better about ourselves. We're trying to add value to ourselves by becoming extremely self-sacrificial, hyper-complementary. We'll do anything for certain people. We're indispensable to others. And sometimes that kind of positive on-the-surface behavior actually comes from trying to add value to ourselves. We feel unimportant unless we're needed or depended on by other women. But the gospel tells a different story, doesn't it? The gospel says my worth (coughs) could never increase by who I know or what I do for others. I am of infinite worth because I'm made and loved by God. Other women cannot make me more valuable. So where does that leave us? This implication of the gospel that nobody can add or take away from us. We need it to get deep inside us so that the relationships around us can change. That's why Paul reminded them at the beginning of that verse that they were loved and chosen and belonging to God. So, when you find yourself battling these negative relational things, harshness, criticalness, jealousy, gossip, When you notice that you're connecting to other women for what they can do for you, when you find yourself doing things so that you feel needed or wanted or depended on, just pause. Take some time to pause and reflect with the Lord. Just admit and confess to him where you're at and then really allow him to search your heart. Ask him, are you forgetting your worth? Now, let me be real real here with you. I know that when we treat each other in wrong ways, it's not like we're thinking to ourselves, hmm, I don't feel good about me right now. I'm feeling kind of small in my value, so I'm going to do this really mean thing against this other woman so I can feel better about me. I know that. (laughs) I know we don't connect those dots in that way. But when you find yourself treating someone the opposite of the Colossians 3, 12 to 14 list, take time to reflect with your heavenly father consider whether you might be forgetting your priceless unchangeable worth (coughs) already given to you by him and if you sense you have here's one thing you can do 
<coughs> pray Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. Pray it over yourself. Pray it daily. Memorize it. Make it the cry of your heart to your good Father. This is what it says. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length and the depth and the height of God's love for you. We need to know it and we need to keep knowing it more and more. We need God to help us comprehend what his love for us is. And the more we understand this, the better our relationships with other women can be. <coughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not even sick. Okay, now the message of the gospel means that I am valuable. That means the message of the gospel means that you are valuable. This is a pretty obvious and very short point. I have to see that if the gospel message means I'm valuable, well, then everything that I just said about me is true for you and is true for everybody around us, right? God didn't just make me in his image. He made all of humanity in his image. God gives every person on the planet limitless worth. God didn't just pursue me. He didn't just choose and love and save me. God so loved the world, right? So, somebody hook me up. Thank you. So, every person we interact with, every woman we sit next to, every woman we work with or are connected with in some way, every single one of them is made and loved by God. So some of the broken ways that we relate to one another Sometimes they stem from not knowing our own value, but sometimes they come from not valuing the women around us enough, undervaluing them. Think about it. When I'm not a loyal friend, when I'm just quick to, really, to leave relationships that are no longer convenient for me, I'm not understanding the intrinsic worth of the people I'm disloyal to. I'm judging myself and my needs to be more important than theirs. When I'm exclusive, when I choose to be very narrow with who I'll pay attention to or eat with or have a conversation with, I'm forgetting. I'm underestimating the value and the worth of others. When I'm isolated, when I'm caught up in my own world and I just don't pay attention to the women in my spheres of life, when I'm just kind of indifferent, I'm not remembering how priceless they are. When I'm condescending or cutthroat, competitive with others, I'm not seeing their real worth that the gospel shows me. Those women, they are made and loved by God. He went to the ends of the earth to rescue them. He sees them as worth everything. The gospel means that every person around us is worthy of our time and our attention and our interest, <coughs> and our kindness, our mercy, our loyalty, every person is valuable. So, once again, when you find yourself doing the opposite of the Colossians 3 list, which we're all going to do, when you find yourself being exclusive or condescending, isolated or indifferent, 
take time to reflect with your heavenly father. Just ask God, are you behaving in that way because you have forgotten the worth of the women around you? Allow his spirit to convict your heart. Ask him for help. Go back to that Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 passage, and now pray that for others, that your heart would see that for others. Memorize it. Make it the cry of your heart so that your eyes would be opened to the width and the length and the depth and the height of Christ's love for them. Again, of course there is more to our heart transformation than just this one truth, but man, this is a key. The gospel means that everyone around us is valuable. The more we recognize this, the better our relationships with the women in our lives can be. <coughs> okay, for our final point, none of this is helping so much. Thank you. The tickle is gone. Okay. Let's spend some time thinking about a third implication of the gospel. The gospel means that we need each other. And when we understand how much we need each other, the relationships with women in our lives can get better. Think about Paul's letter to the Colossians. Remember that the first two chapters describe and celebrate and elevate the gospel message. In the last two chapters, they tell us what comes out of a person. And also remember that Paul called us chosen and holy and beloved because then he reminded us of what the gospel could do for us after telling us what, what, can the gospel, what can come out of us once he told us what the gospel has done for us. And I say all of that because the next thing we're going to talk about, it couldn't happen without the gospel message first. Look at verse 15. We didn't read it together. Paul continued talking about right ways to treat each other, and he said this. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts <coughs> to which you were called in one body. Every person who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we're all put in this new group. We now belong to the body of Christ. The Bible describes Christians as being part of a family with one another. They they, it says that we're all vines that come from the same branch, but here and in a few other places, the Bible says that we are one body. Now, up until this point in the teaching, we've been talking about gospel implications that apply to anyone, Christian and non-Christian women. God made us all. God loves us all. But the third point right now, one body, this is really exclusive to the Christian women in your life. Only men, and I mean only women and of course men who have surrendered their lives to Jesus are a part of the body of Christ. Anybody can come, but only people who have chosen to surrender. So as we look and, and think about this last point, remember, this one is specific to the women in your lives that know and love Jesus. The gospel made us one body with all the Christian women in our life, and that means we need each other. Just like a human body needs every single one of its parts to flourish. Okay, listen to this from 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14. You can turn there if you'd like. <coughs> I'm going to read again from the New Living Translation. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says... I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. It that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, 
I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye. Would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. So the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. And then all the way down in verse 26, we're going to skip. It says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. So the gospel puts all of us women together into Christ's body, every believing woman. And 1 Corinthians 12 right here, it teaches us as a body, we're dependent on one another. We need each other. There's two ways I can think of understanding how, uh, there's two ways I can think of how understanding that we need each other really helps our relationship with other women. Firstly, this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, it highlights something really important, and that is that we need different parts. Think about our own bodies. Okay, if I want to do something as simple as tie my shoe, I'm not even going to be able to list for you all the parts, but here's what comes to my mind as far as everything that I need for just to tie my shoe. (coughs) I need my brain to think. I need my eyes to see. I need my right and left hand muscles to be able to pinch. I need my fingers to be able to form and twist and tie. I need proper functioning muscles in my back just or knees or thighs or legs just to bend down to get my shoe. I need so many different parts of my body to do one thing. Like the passage we just read said. If I only had eyes that could see, but not hands that could tie or a back that could bend down, well, I couldn't even tie my shoe. The different parts of the body are so important and needed. So when it comes to us and our relationships with other women, think about this. Because of the gospel, I can now more than ever value the differences of other believers. I can recognize that I actually need them. I actually need them to be different from me. And think about some of the negative ways that we relate to one another. And couldn't they be avoided if I valued rather than criticized their differences? Like maybe I could see a person who is detail-oriented as crucial to the flourishing of our life instead of nitpicky annoying, a little uptight. I could see creative women as someone who could add joy or beauty or depth to my life in really important ways instead of flighty, insignificant, not really focused on the right things in life. Maybe we could see extroverts as necessary to connecting people and bringing joy and introverts as as important to bringing balance and depth and life and rest, I'm sorry, and rest to our life? What if we saw all of the differences in our giftings and our temperaments as valuable and needed? Wouldn't that make our relationships with each other better? 
Now, just a little caveat, I'm not talking about sinful stuff. <clears throat> I'm not saying we should excuse or dismiss or minimize sin in other women's lives. I'm talking about differences in temperament and gifting and seeing those as beautiful and even a necessary component for my flourishing, your flourishing, and our flourishing, the whole body flourishing. So when you find yourself internally or maybe externally eye-rolling other women, maybe when you notice that you're exasperated or frustrated by their differences, by who they are, and maybe if you even act out on that in ugly and sinful ways, pause and reflect with your heavenly father. <coughs> Ask him, am I forgetting how important these, this person's differences actually are to me? Am I really seeing their personality as needed for even my own flourishing, let alone the flourishing of the whole church? Pray. Pray that God would soften your heart to understand the need that you have for that person's gifting and temperament. So, the more we understand this implication of the gospel, that we need the differences of the women in our lives, the better our relationships can be. And secondly, 1 Corinthians, hi 1 Corinthians 12 highlights one more thing. Well, it highlights a lot, but I'm going to show you one more thing. Um, there in verse 26, it says this. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Here's the truth, you guys. Because the gospel puts us all in to one body with the believing women around us, how I treat them really matters. It really matters. My negative actions against one person, it brings down the whole body. My positive actions towards one Christian woman in my community builds up the whole body. How we treat people, how we treat believers really matters. When I'm bitter, resentful, hold a grudge, or I'm unforgiving towards another Christian woman, I am in a sense withholding health or maybe even infusing sickness into our whole body. I'm affecting everybody, including myself. Because Paul said when one member suffers, we all suffer. I mean, to be honest, I'm not really sure how this all works. I can't tell you specifically. How does it work that we are collectively impacted by each other's sin? But Colossians 3 teaches that because of the gospel, we're one body, and that the body ought to be forgiving and bearing with one another, and here we learn that like a human body, when one part is sick or injured, the whole body is affected. <clears throat> so somehow, when I sin against another woman, maybe in unforgiveness, I am hurting myself and them and the whole body of believers. That's kind of serious stuff. Let's think about it in a positive way too, though. How about when we're operating in more of a Colossians 3, 12 to 14 way. Paul said when one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So that means when I'm kind or merciful or humble with the believing women around me, somehow, I can't totally explain it, but somehow I am infusing health 
and life into the whole body of Christ. And that is so powerful. That's so motivating. And so, when we think about this idea that the gospel means we need each other, that because of the gospel we're one body, and that our actions really impact one another, do you see how valuable it is to treat each other well? Somehow, I am better when you treat your life group with patience. Somehow you are better when I treat the, the worker and Calvary kids with humility and mercy. We are better as individuals and better as a body, a whole body, when all of us individually are loving and forgiving and patient because our behavior really matters. And the more I'm saturated, the more I'm soaked in this implication of the gospel, the better my relationships with women around me can be. Now, before we conclude, I want to say one thing. <clears throat> it could be easy to walk away from a teaching like this, feeling really motivated to want to treat people in our lives better. And it could happen that as you see this powerful impact of your behavior, you might begin to strive in your own strength to do the list, as I say in Colossians 3.12, and that is not my hope for you. That is not my hope for you, and that is definitely not Jesus' desire either, that you just go out and try and do all this. This idea that understanding these things, especially that last implication of the gospel, how much our behavior affects people, it's not so that you will try harder, but so that you will be increasingly motivated to change. The power and the ability to change your behavior and to the power and the ability to positively impact the women around you, that is not going to come from you, but from the Holy Spirit in you. <coughs> but as your desire to change grows and you seek God more continually to be changed by his spirit, he will empower you to love and forgive and be patient and all those Colossians 12, uh, 3, 12 to 14 things. Your main job is to be willing to self-reflect. Even better, be willing to allow God to inspect your heart and your actions. And then when you see where you fall short, confess to God and invite him to change you. <clears throat> because hopefully, now more than ever, you see the power of that changed life. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up with a story from the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, in the first chapter, there's the story of Mary and Elizabeth. Mary was a young virgin teenager who had just gotten visited by the angel Gabriel. And she was told, you guys know, miraculously, right, that she was pregnant with the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And she goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth is much, much, much older than Mary, somewhere around 88, 90 years old. And Elizabeth is also miraculously pregnant. Now here's what I want you to notice in this story. When Mary comes into Elizabeth's house, <coughs> Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is what she says. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that in the, uh-oh, that the, sorry, I have a typo in here, that the mother of my Lord would come to me. 
for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, my babe leaped with joy in my womb. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. I don't know if you see the beautiful thing that I do right here. Elizabeth, she celebrated Mary. She rejoiced with Mary. She blessed Mary. She cheered Mary on. And honestly, if you think about it, naturally speaking, she could have felt or responded pretty differently. I mean, Elizabeth, she's 88, 90 years old. She has faithfully followed God her whole life. And now in her lifetime, God decides that the Messiah is going to come to save the world. And he's even going to come through a woman. But instead of Elizabeth, he chooses young, inexperienced, not with a long track record of faithfulness, young little Mary. Elizabeth could have felt hurt, frustrated, overlooked, jealous. She could have treated Mary with harshness, condescension, even just ignored her. But instead... Elizabeth celebrated and rejoiced and blessed and rooted for her. I mean, that's beautiful. You see, Elizabeth saw Mary's win as a win for her and a win for the whole world. Now we know, and Elizabeth knew too, that Elizabeth did have a really important role to play in the story of the Messiah, but nonetheless, her humanity, her flesh, it very well still could have won out in that moment. But it didn't. She celebrated her. And it's a beautiful picture for us of how we can relate to each other. In Luke 141, before Elizabeth spoke, the Bible says this. It says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Surely it was that filling of the Holy Spirit that helped her to know and say and do all the things she did to Mary. And for us, the same is true. When we receive Christ as our Savior, when we accept (coughs) the message of the gospel, the Bible says that his spirit comes to live inside of us. And so, once again, the gospel makes what Elizabeth did for Mary possible for us too. So the big idea tonight is that the more we understand the gospel, the better our relationships with women can be. And we looked at three ways that can happen. We saw that the gospel means that I'm valuable, that no one, no one can add to my value or take away from the value that God has already given to me. And that truth, with the power of his spirit in me, can free me up to celebrate and rejoice and cheer on the women around me without holding anything back. Then we studied how the gospel means that you are valuable, that all the women around us are of infinite worth to God, worthy of his greatest sacrifice. And that too, with God's spirit in us, can move us toward cheering and rejoicing and celebrating the women in our life genuinely. And then we studied how the gospel tells us that we as believers need each other that our differences are crucial to our flourishing, that our actions have huge impact on one another because we're one body. And when we remember this, by the power of God's spirit in us, we can praise and cheer on 
and celebrate and support women like Elizabeth did. And so that's it. That's where I leave you tonight. I just want to encourage you to saturate yourself in these truths. Saturate yourself in the truths of the gospel. Pray over and pray in verses like Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. Study 1 Corinthians 12 about the body of Christ. The more we do, like a sponge soaked in water, the more mercy and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness and love, the more those things can come gushing out of our lives. All right, can I pray for you guys? Lord, you said that it is not good for us to be alone. You made us for relationship. You are in the perfect triune relationship up there in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You designed us to relate to one another, to need each other, to be connected to one another. But man, Lord, our sin just gets in the way. We're so thankful for the gospel. And we see, Lord, that not only does the gospel forgive us of all of that ugliness, but it makes a way for us to treat the women in our lives better and better and better. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we leave this room, that even one relationship or one interaction or one word from you would stick with us, that we would know somewhere that you're calling us to invite your grace in, to see our our true worth, to see the worth of others, to see the value of the body. Help us to hear from you specifically on these things. And thank you for the goodness of your truth and the goodness of your spirit and the goodness of the gospel. We just love you, Jesus, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary, please visit calvary.com. We hope to see you at our next growth night on the first Sunday of every month at 5.30 p.m. Thanks, church. God bless.